0: From the East Coast and the sunny shores of South Carolina, welcome to Dark Reality. We'll be discussing the unknown from cryptoids to conspiracy theories and unusual happenings. I'm your host, John Ringo. Welcome to Dark Realities. Good evening, and welcome to Dark Reality. Tonight... We'll be speaking of the possession of Clara Germana Salee. Clara was born in South Africa in either 1889 or 1890 and we don't know much about her life before she reached the age of 16. What we do know is that she attended St. Michael's mission in Umzito, in the region of Natal South Africa and that she had been adopted by the mission at the age of four, due to being an orphan, but she was always seen as a well-behaved and good-natured child. What is tragic and puzzling was what happened to her on her 16th birthday. She began to cry out for help and was erratic and confused. Her words were as follows. Get the priest. I have a confession to make. Get him quickly. I'm afraid Satan will kill me. Before I have a chance to confess. Father Ramones came to hear her confession. Where she told him she had made a pact with Satan. Hmm. Even before this. At first notice the drastic change. In the young girl. Some think she may have been a rebellious teenager. Or overly curious. But in reality. We've never found out why a young Christian schoolgirl Decided to do such a thing. Supposedly. Many of the local. Overheard. Her making said pact and word spread quickly after the pact it didn't take long for the consequences to manifest themselves her mental health rapidly deteriorated she became angry unstable and regularly began to spout blasphemous and vulgar things at random. She also often acted like an animal around her family, with hissing and barking and aggressions. But she also demonstrated the ability to speak in languages she had absolutely no knowledge of. A nun claimed that Clara could understand any language pushed on her, such as Polish and German. This was also observed by others than just the nun. The nuns and priests tried to pray for her and gave her religious items, but Clara was just not responsive. It seemed that only the demons possessing her were in complete control. But this went beyond mere speaking in tongues. She also allegedly became to manifest the ability to read people's minds and showed immense knowledge of secrets of both strangers and those close to her, almost as she could see in their sins. It goes without saying that it should not be possible, but it gets worse, the presence of blessed objects to drive her insane and for a crazed 16-year-old girl, she should not have been able to manhandle the nuns and beat them up. This is also common in demonic depression. Strength beyond what the body can normally exert. The nuns also were horrified by her cries, which were Supposedly extremely bestial and unlike a girl of her age. As one nun stated, no animal had ever made such sounds. Neither the lions of East Africa or the angry bulls. At times it sounded like a veritable herd of wild beasts orchestrated by Satan, had formed a hellish core or choir. No animal has ever made such sounds, neither the lions or other beasts. Father Amenius, And one other heard her confession and who had been called literally thought this was merely the consequences of a young girl's mind rebelling against authority. So for six months later, in August 1906, two nuns found her curled up. And much of her room ransacked and her bed frame ruined she experienced and explained she had thrown away all of her crucifixes rosaries and other holy items she was now vulnerable she also began to attack the nuns and threw things around the room She also allegedly said something close to the following to, presumably, the demon or demons possessing her. You betrayed me. You promised me glory, but now you torture me. Several nuns and older sisters were made to watch over her. Many still believe her claims were false. And were for just attention. It was during this time that she questioned the faith of the nuns had in God. And it turned into a very violent event. Clara reportedly beat several of them severely, tore off their clothes, and left a few of them unconscious. It was after that, that people at the mission began to test her. Her skin also reportedly burned when in contact with holy water. Even when Clara had most moments of lucidity, fire also apparently transfigured out of nowhere, out of nothing, all around her, burning her room, but not her person. Many of the people began to congregate around Clara to try and get rid of the demons and try to help her, but she revealed that impure thoughts of those around her and the congregations quickly left. She also spoke about Father Remus' travel to Rome at the time and knew details of what the priest was doing. Even the priest didn't remember all the things that he did. It was during Father Remus' travels to Rome that a young priest took over the congregation and attempted to perform an exorcism on Clara. But she taunted him and revealed impure thoughts, and he eventually cracked emotionally and slapped the girl. She proceeded to rip part of his vestments and beat him and choke him afterwards. She then sat in a corner and wept as the priest fled the scene. Clara was then put in a private room. Many of the doors around the mission, including Clara's, began to shake and be beaten upon with tremendous force, like that of a thunder, and one priest even patrolled the hallways with a gun. Clara mocked him and told him the demon inside of her only took pleasure in the ordeal. One can only imagine the horror it must have been to see demons defile and use such a girl. But her foolishness had clearly played a part. It was around this time that she began to physically change her neck would stretch and extend so harshly that visible bumps would form the damage of her body also she began to ground and wiggle around like a snake and even bite a nun severely who was knelt praying for her She left puncture wounds like that of a snake bite. Finally, the exorcism was arranged by Clara, for Clara, with Reverend Masuti, who by this time was the director of St. Michael's Mission, and Father Eremus, her personal confessor. The exorcism began in the morning and went on until noon, then was again carried on again at three and carried on into the night. Clara began the exorcism by ripping off one of the priest's collars and attempting to strangle him with it, but the priest continued unfazed. Well over a hundred people still were said to have witnessed the event, specifically when Clara began to elevate. She alleged elevated both horizontally and vertically, and her strange animalistic noises were heard by all. They all put her through extreme pressure, trying to exorcise the demon. And finally, after hours, the following day, the demon agreed to leave, after levitating her six feet in the air and dropping her. Though the exorcism seemed to have worked, what is truly mind-boggling is that after all of that, she made another pact with the devil, in 1907 she had to be exercised a second time which was again a success and not many details are known about the second exorcism except for the room apparently being filled with a truly foul smell after the demon left many still believe This was just a case of mental illness. But as far as all the sources indicate, she still lived a normal life after the exorcisms. Had she begun just mentally ill, this never would have happened. And she would still have lived the same way for the rest of her life. Likely, she would have ended up in a sanitarium or asylum. Sadly, she died of heart failure at the age of 22 in 1912. There have been speculations about whether the pack shortened her life, but such an idea are always conjecture, as far as we know. What do you think about this story? Was Clara possessed by demons or even multiple demons? Or was it just a lie and a bad behavior from a mentally ill orphan? Let me know what you think. I'll leave that conjecture up to you. You decide. Now for the next story. In 1970, Donna, a student nurse, receives an antique Raggedy Ann doll from her mother as a birthday present. Taking the doll back to her small apartment, which she shared with her roommate, She placed the doll on her bed and thought no more about it at first. Both women noticed that the doll had started to creep them out. But then they began to notice that the doll had begun to change its position and then move to different rooms from where it had been left. Donna and her roommate, Angie, would find the doll sitting cross-legged at the couch with its arms folded and then other times it was found upright, standing on its feet and leaning against a chair in the dining room or in the living room. Several times Donna placed the doll on the couch before leaving for work. Would return home to find the doll back in her room on the bed with the door closed. The doll did not only move but could write too. About a month in their experience, Donna and Angie began to find penciled messages on parchment paper that read help us the handwriting looked to be that of a small child knowing that they must do something about the sinister doll the roommates contacted a medium who conducted a seance through the medium, Donna and Angie were contacted by a spirit named Annabelle Higgins, who told them her story. Annabelle explained she was a young girl who had lived near to where apartment complex now stood. Annabelle told the women, That she felt comfortable and safe with them. And wanted to stay with them to be loved. Feeling compassion for the Annabelle. And the story, Donna gave her permission to inhabit the doll. And stay with them. They were soon to find out, however. That Annabelle was not all she seemed to be. A mutual friend of the roommate's, Lou, had been fond of the doll and had warned Donna to get rid of it. One night his warnings came true, waking from a deep sleep. Lou found to his horror But he was completely paralyzed. Looking down at his feet, he saw the doll, Annabelle. It began to slowly guide up his leg, moved over his chest, and then stopped. Within seconds, the doll was strangling him, paralyzed and gasping for breath. And at the point of asphyxiation, he blacked out. He woke the next morning certain it wasn't a dream. The next terrifying encounter he experienced occurred when he and Angie were alone in the flat preparing for a road trip the next day. Hearing rustling noises from Donna's room, Lou quietly made his way to the bedroom door, waiting for the strange noises to stop before entering and turning on the light. He discovered the room was empty except for the doll, which looked like it had been hurried, tossed into the corner. He began to search the room for anything out of place. But as he got close to the doll, he got a distinct impression that somebody was behind him. Spinning around, he was surprised to find that nobody else was there. Then in a flash, he began finding himself grabbing for his chest doubled over and bleeding on his chest were seven distinct claw marks three vertically and four horizontally all were hot and burning finally willing to believe that the spirit was not that of a young girl Donna contacted a priest named Father Cook, who immediately contacted the Warrens. Ed and Lorraine Warren were already well known for their paranormal investigations into the no- notorious Amityville case. After speaking to the roommates, Ed and Lorraine, came to the conclusion that the doll was not possessed, but instead was being manipulated by an inhuman presence, using the doll to create the illusion of it being alive. The inhuman presence was not looking to stay attached to the doll. The Warrens told the woman, It was instead looking to possess a human host. It first began moving the doll around the apartment by means of teleportation to arise the occupant's curiosity in hopes that they would give it recognition. By bringing a medium into the apartment to communicate with it, the demonic spirit was then able to communicate and prey on the girl's emotional vulnerabilities by pretending to be a harmless, lost young girl. During the seance, it was given permission from Donna to inhabit the doll and in turn the apartment, and eventually the women. The Warrens believed that the next stage of the demonic infestation phenomenon would have been complete human possession. Had these experiences lasted another two or three weeks, The spirit would have completely possessed and also harmed or killed one or all of the occupants in the house. At the conclusion of the investigation, the Warrens felt it appropriate to have a resuscitation of an exorcism blessing to claim Cleanse the apartment at Donna's request, and as further precaution against the phenomenon ever occurred in the home again, the Warrens took the rag doll with them when they left. They had a special case built for Annabelle, where she resides to this day. The lock case has kept the doll from moving around, but whatever terrifying entity is attached to it, it's still there, waiting, and no doubt bidding and biding its time. I want to thank everybody for turning. to dark reality tell me what you think subscribe let me know what you feel let me know how you think until next time goodbye